You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. I'm talking today about self-defense. I suppose I could be talking about Halloween and how it originated here in Ireland and we're always celebrating good things in Irish culture but I don't know the Halloween was that good but I've spoken about Halloween I would say 30 times since the church has opened so I'm actually going to continue with where I was last Sunday so I'm not looking at Halloween but if you are interested in our take on Halloween Uh, You can look us up on YouTube or podcast or any of the other platforms. Today I'm going to be looking at self-defense. How can you defend yourself, your soul, your mind, your heart and your body? You may remember last week, if you were here, or maybe you caught up in it, we were looking at Jonathan and how he attacked the enemy. And we saw how sometimes God says, It's always good to pray, but sometimes you've got to take action as well. And Jonathan initiated an attack. He didn't do it out of the blue. He did it because there was a very big looming threat coming from the Philistines. And we saw how offense is sometimes the best form of defense. So we all want to have healthy souls. Am I right? Yeah. So how can we defend our souls and be right with that. So sometimes you got to go into offense. And let me tell you a bit about military strategy, if you'll bear with me. I love this stuff. Maybe you'll get bored, but just as a very brief thing. Uh, the current nation of Israel, and I'm not getting into any politics, but the current nation of Israel um, was attacked many times by all of the surrounding Arab nations. Uh, It's a tiny country, way smaller than Ireland. And at one point, uh, the land of Israel is about nine miles wide, or 15 kilometers. And always the enemy wants to aim for that narrow strip of land and then cut the nation in two. And the avowed aim, on many occasions, it used to be, was they wanted to drive the Jews into the sea. They didn't want any Jews in the area, just Arabs, which mainly meant Muslim. So it's a bit like you've got a juggler vein going from your heart up to your brain. It's here in the neck. If somebody stabs you in the juggler vein, you will die. And so militarily, the surrounding Arab armies wanted to attack Israel at this point. When there was a build-up, In the Arab nations in 1967, I'm not getting into politics, so don't think I am. I'm just giving you some military facts. What happened was the state of Israel decided to start an offensive war, but they were only doing it, apparently, to protect themselves because they felt they were about to be eliminated. Tiny little nation. And that was called the Six-Day War in 1967. You can look up on it. And so they, a bit like Jonathan in the Old Testament, attacked the enemy in order to defend themselves. But six years later, in 1973, there was a war called the Yom Kippur War. Now, Yom Kippur in the Jewish faith is the most solemn day of the year. It's when you stay at home and you pray, you fast, you think of your loved ones and family members who have died. The whole nation goes into a kind of a mourning and everything is on skeleton staff. And in 1973, 
I think it was six different Arab nations, suddenly out of the blue, attacked Israel with their armies. And again, there, and I'm using their words, was to push the Jews into the sea. Remember now, these were people who survived, many of them, the concentration camps of the Nazis and so on. So you can get the kind of life-death thing going on. And so they suddenly attacked. And this time, they attacked Israel. So... Israel didn't start an attack, they were attacked. How did they defend themselves? And if you look at it, there was a couple of days when it looked like the Jews would be pushed into the sea. They would be destroyed. The one Jewish nation would be eliminated. And I'm not getting into the politics, I'm just giving you some facts. And then they turned it around, and the Yom Kippur War, they won the war. But that is just something from recent history to do with military strategy, about offense and defense. And I want to try and take something of that and bring it into our spiritual lives because the kingdom of God is not of this earth. So we're not going to get too into politics or anything like that. But what we are called to do is to protect ourselves spiritually and by extension mentally and emotionally and even physically. So that's what I'm going to look at today and I'm going to see what the Bible says about you and me defending ourselves. We're told, for example, in Ecclesiastes 3.8, there's a time for war and a time for peace. And some people think it's always a time for peace and we are called to be peacemakers, but spiritually sometimes we've got to fight. And by extension, that means there's a time to attack and there's a time to defend. So sometimes you will be attacked, and sometimes you yourself will have to attack. Not for the fun of it, but to protect your soul. So how can we do that in a wise way? And just again by way of introduction, very briefly, there are two ways you're attacked. One is internally, and one is externally. So sometimes the attack for you comes inside your own head and body. And that's something like anxiety, impulses, addictions, that whole general area. So that, in my experience, is kind of half the trouble Christians face. Something's going on inside in you. But the other half of the time, it's coming from the outside. In fact, it's coming from someone else. So... This is a whole other study, as we say in Irish, Sinskelela. But I want to look at the external attack today, when someone attacks you, and how can you and I protect ourselves? Let me quote a Bible verse that I love, that I often quote to myself, and I've seen it come to pass. No weapon formed against you will prosper. This is what Isaiah 54, 17 says, and it's echoed throughout Scripture. No weapon formed against you will prosper. It's speaking to the people of God, to those who love the Lord, those who are following him. Here's the problem, though. A lot of people and a lot of very good Christians misinterpret that verse. You see, God never promised you that the weapon wouldn't form. Did he? He never promised us that the weapon wouldn't form, but he did promise us that the weapon wouldn't prosper. And some very good Christians, decent, lovely Christians, collapse when all the weapons appear around them. And I have heard it said, why has God allowed this to happen to me? There's a weapon there. 
I don't know, maybe it's a medical issue. There's a weapon there. Your boss is really evil towards you. There's another weapon here. There's a legal case against you. I don't know. But God never said the weapon won't, won't form. He just promised us the weapon won't prosper. So there's a little bit of us being self-aware spiritually where we go, okay, I see that weapon. I would guess today that probably half of us have got a weapon aimed against us from some quarter. But don't panic. Don't lose the plot. God is for you. He's not against you. Keep, keep calm in your faith. And how about seeing that weapon turn into a blessing? Because God can turn it around. And in all of my years, that's what I've seen again and again. Sometimes he doesn't turn it around the way I want him to turn it around, but he turns it around. One other just introduction to all of this. And and again, don't collapse at the bully's lies. When the weapon forms, the bully, who's Satan, will lie to you and threaten you that this thing is really going to destroy you. And again, not getting political, but maybe a bit like people in Israel in 1973, they were days away from being annihilated. You can listen to the lie. You can listen to and get so focused on the weapon. But I'm going to choose to listen to God's word. Amen? I'm not going to listen to the bully. I'm going to listen to the word of God. Now, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different families. You have a different experience of relationships than I do. I love what the fabulous author, pastor, um, broken, humble man of God, I think, Pastor Rick Warren says, we're all products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. You see, we all look at life through a lens. Let's say your dad was abusive. Perhaps you see all fathers as potentially abusive. So you've got a hair trigger. Anytime you see a dad getting frustrated, he's going to beat the child and, and abuse the child. And this is what you see. Or let's say you were in a relationship and she was manipulative and really played mind games with you. So suddenly, you know, not suddenly, but your lens is going to be a little bit cracked. You're always going to have that bit of a hair trigger because that was your experience. Or someone you love had cancer. And every time you get sick, you're thinking cancer. So we all have a broken lens from our past. The issue is we can remain prisoners of that broken lens. And God doesn't want us to be prisoners of us. Who'll say amen? He wants us to recover. That's what we need, the Holy Spirit. We're all broken. We all have weird ideas from our past. And that's why the redemptive word of God, the scripture, we bathe ourselves in it and it washes us. And the Holy Spirit just gives us the power and the ability to heal and to recover. That's what the Christian walk is all about. Man. Why would anyone refuse the faith of Jesus Christ? It is life, not death. Hallelujah. God's word and his spirit just restores us. So how can you and I go through life and face the existential threats, the attacks that come from other people? That's what I'm going to look at today. Um, 
I'm going to take a slightly humorous look at it because it can get a bit heavy. So if you're one of those people who doesn't agree with humor, please feel free to leave. I promise you I won't be offended at all. So we're going to look at this, um, but I'm going to pray, Lord, let your words speak to us. Let it bring life. And whatever's just of me, let it just float away. But whatever's of you, I pray with anchor in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, five people types to be careful of. I nearly said five love languages. <laughs> um, sometimes at weddings we talk about the five love languages and so on. But uh, we're not looking at five love languages here today. Uh, here are five people types you and I need to be careful of. Yes, at work and at school and in the neighborhood, sometimes in the wider family, unfortunately, occasionally, even in a Christian church. So we need to just be self-aware of this. And in my opinion, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will not just give us the EQ, emotional intelligence, to spot this, but I'm going to pray at the end that you would even have, and it's one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of discernment. Because sometimes we're with someone and it's very hard to see it, particularly if our lens from the past is anyway cracked. And that's where the Holy Spirit can help us. Amen? So here are five people types to be wary of. First one is Slippery Sam. Have you ever met Slippery Sam? Maybe we could call this person Slippery Sally. Did you know that sin is an equal opportunity employer? So if I've got a name that is male or female here, I promise you it goes right across the board. Now, if you're listening on podcast, I've got a photograph up on the screen of obviously someone in a gambling house because he's got cards, he's got gambling chips, smoking a cigar, drinking a brandy or something. He's got slitty eyes, one eyebrow raised. Uh, I don't know that an awful lot of us here are going to be over in the Macau gambling club across the street, gambling all our wages away. But you don't have to be in a gambling house to be slippery. The Bible calls this type of person a scoundrel. Irish culture calls this type of person a rogue. And you know what I have an issue with with Irish culture? Somehow in Irish culture, if you look at the music, listen to it, the poetry, the uh, folklore, the rogue is a lovable character. He's a lovable rogue. No, he's not. The rogue or the scoundrel is not lovable. He's out to take something from you. So let's not be romanticized in any way by someone who is roguish. Let's have an ability to see. Look what the scripture says. A lot of what I'm talking about today is from Proverbs. The scoundrel has a corrupt mouth. He or she winks with his eye, signals with his feet, has deceit in his heart, and always, 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 always causes trouble. These people, says the Lord, are wicked and unjust, making up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies. And that's from Proverbs 6, 12 to 14. Be careful of the rogue or the scoundrel. And, you know, if you're poor, you're destroyed. We probably think that's financially poor. That's true. But if you are emotionally poor, if you're lonely, and a lovable rogue comes into your life, be careful. Do not exchange your dignity 
and the calling of God in your life for some rogue who might temporarily take away a little bit of loneliness. He's not interested in you or she. They're interested in taking something from you. It's the same with friends. It can be the same in your career. It cuts right across the whole spectrum. So slippery Sam or slippery Sally, I say no. Who'll say amen? amen? Be careful of them. How about Gina Gossip? Maybe we could call this person George, Georgie Gossip. This is the type of person to quote an awful cliche, is going to be hanging around the water cooler in the office when offices were a thing. This is the type of person who will park themselves in probably the most visible place and try and gather and glean any little tidbit of news and loves to run to everyone with that little bit of news. As I'm going through these five people groups, it's not just for us to be careful of people like that, but it's also for us to have a conscience that if any of us have a weakness or a tendency to anything here, that we are self-aware of that. Who'll say amen? And that we'll pray that we won't fall into this trap. Gina Gossip, what does the book of Proverbs say about this person? Without wood, the fire goes out. Without a gossip, the quarrel dies down. Is your friendship group always quarreling? I bet you there's a gossip who's keeping it alive. It's like throwing oil on the fire. In your work group, your team that you work with, is there always quarreling? Then there's almost certainly a gossip in there somewhere. Because if everyone stops gossiping, the quarrel will go out. That's what the Bible says. So be very careful. Not only that, the Bible even gets a bit heavier or deeper. A gossip can even separate the closest of friends. Think of the person that you're closest with in the world. Even a husband or wife or a very dear, long-standing friend. When the gossip is set loose, even that friendship can be undermined. And what's the end result in it? that relationship will suffer, perhaps even die. The gossip is not a life giver. The gossip actually brings death. Death to relationships, death to peace of mind, death to the type of life God wants us to have. Be careful of Gina gossip. She's not going to do you any good, nor is Sam or Sally. Slippery Sam or Sally. Here's another people group. Furious Fred, or maybe we'll call this person Furious Francis, someone who's out of control with their temper or their anger. Again, very roughly, about half of us probably would tend a bit more towards fear, and the other half of us would tend a little bit more towards anger. If you're with the latter category, there's obviously a spectrum, and some of us will really struggle with our temper. Here's what the Bible says. And by the grace of God, if this is your issue, you will recover and be self-aware of it. Or if there's someone in your life like this, you'll be wiser. An angry man or woman starts fights. A hot-tempered man commits many sins. So if someone is explosive, what's going on? They're probably projecting onto you or onto the other guy unresolved issues in themselves. And to be around someone like that is quite volcanic. 
and there's no logic going on. And I don't know, you've probably seen guys, I'm going to use the term guys, you've probably seen guys like this, and if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're getting the punch. Because they're out of control. They're vicious. And the slightest thing, they'll hit you. Who wants to hang around with this guy if he's out of control? Don't become friends with an angry man. Or you might learn his ways and end up trapped just like him. How can you be trapped? How can you be trapped with anger? You know what happens when people see someone like this? They avoid him or her like the plague. The out of control, angry person becomes like a leopard. Nobody wants to hang out with them. People don't quite trust him. And the more you hang around with a group like this or a person like this, you know what happens? Their behavior becomes normative. In other words, it feels normal to kick out, to lash out. And maybe you won't do it physically. Maybe with you or with this other person, it's with their tongue. And they will destroy someone with their words. Life and death, life and death are in the power of your tongue and of my tongue. You can destroy someone's confidence so that they're on the floor by your words. So violence isn't always physical. Sometimes it's verbal. But don't be trapped like him because they become isolated. And the longer they go on, the more isolated become. And you will end up very isolated. Nobody trusting you. You'll destroy your career. You won't get on in education. Socially, you'll be like a leper. And if you're in a Christian church, people will see right through it. But by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit can deliver you from this. Who'll say amen? amen? As he delivers all of us from all different issues. Here's the fourth people group. Moaning Mark. If your name is Mark, I'm not aiming this at anyone. If your name is Fred or Sally or whatever, no, or, Mo, or Gina, nobody's getting at you, okay? Moni Mark, Moni Mary, Moni Michael, whatever you're having yourself. Do you know someone like this? You probably do. You probably do. What does the Bible say about someone like this? And why are they a threat to you or to me? Here's what the Bible says about Moni Mark. As you can see it here, this is God speaking. How long will these wicked Israelites keep on grumbling with constant complaints against me, says the Lord. Numbers 14, 7. Huh? This is God. Hang on, God. You're supposed to be perfect. This is what God is saying. Remember, he set them free, the Israelites. They were slaves. And he supernaturally fed them and watered them. And yet they kept complaining. You see... Someone who is, has got a moaning, complaining attitude, it doesn't just stick with people. It eventually crosses over even to God. We all can fall into this trap and we begin to complain to God. Now, there's a legitimate place where we can say to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. This is really difficult for me. That's not complaining. That's just free speech with God. It's a bit like when I was talking about Furious Fred. There's a place where you and I legitimately with a trusted 
partner or friend, we can just think out loud and say, look, I'm not getting at anyone here, but in this safe place with just the two of us, can I think out loud with you? Because a lot of people process their thoughts out loud. And nothing is meant by it, and it's not repeated. I'm not talking about these safety valves that occasionally need to be applied. But the, this type of complainer, Moni Mark, Moni Mary, just keeps on complaining constantly. And it's about everything. I have to put out the rubbish bin again? <laughs> Me? I have to empty the dishwasher? What? What? You mean I can't eat garlic before I go to bed? What? What? And, and it goes right down the road and it gets even heavier and there's always something wrong with the boss and all the rest of it. God struggled with the constant moaner. It's even more challenging when we look at the New Testament. Paul said, Philippians 2.1, do everything without complaining. James 5.9, don't grumble against one another. Look at Philippians, do some things without complaining. Do the nice things without complaining. Hmm? When, when is the last time you were to do something and you really didn't want to do it? How did you respond? Were you... Usually what happens is we pick someone, husband, wife, boss, teacher, friend, and we just think of them. And we pour all out in them. But Bible says... Do everything without complaining. Clean the toilet? Yes. Hallelujah. Do without complaining. And who says amen? amen? How many men here are willing to clean? No. How many men here actually clean the toilet at home occasionally? Will you stand up? Stand up. Okay. No, 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 stay standing, stay standing. These men need a round of applause because you were reared that you don't have to do it and the servant heart will clean the toilet. And to all the brothers who never stood up, have a little think about it. Tom, why didn't you ask the women? How many women? <laughs> okay. How many women here will cut the grass? Stand up, sisters. Come on, let's have a look at you. In a traditional male job, these women have no problem. Give them a round of applause. Tom, you're really getting very shallow in this church. You know what? That's how you work out your faith. Isn't it? It's not Kira Bashanda Bashanda. No, 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 no. That's, that's, no, no, no. It's you're down on your knees, brothers, and you're going, do you know what? I clean the toilet. It's sisters, you know what? He had a hard night last night watching the telly. I'll cut the grass from him. Do you hear that now, Denise? <laughs> but we work out our faith in the little things. It's the reality up close. And we do it without complaining. Even if we're going, this is the ninth time I'm cleaning the toilet. And she's just abandoned the chore. But you know what? You do it. Isn't that the mark of a Christian? What do you think Jesus would do? Do you know, there's a word that frightens me. Entitlement. When I hear people constantly on, I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. You know what? That's, 
that's a red light. Because that attitude only leads in one direction. And that entitled attitude usually ends up in them looking down on others and honestly believing everyone else is there to serve them. Do you know what I see in the Bible? I see someone who'll go the extra mile. I'll see someone who'll go on their knees and wash someone's feet. Isn't that the Jesus way? Isn't that what a Christ follower should do? Half of you are enthusiastic. And the other half of you probably maybe are a bit uncomfortable. You know what? You're saying, I didn't come to church to get uncomfortable. It's good for you. Who'll say amen? It's good occasionally to get uncomfortable, isn't it? This makes me uncomfortable. I kind of go, ooh, I've had an old moan a bit too much about that. Or maybe I said something I shouldn't have said. You know, we used to say it in, uh, um, as kids saying our prayers. I grew up in a Catholic home, but we used to use Latin. And I can remember going, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. And I can remember my dad saying his prayers, and he would beat his chest like this. No, it was just symbolic, but, and it means, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm fully guilty. That's what it means. But sometimes as a Christian, it's no harm to go, you know what? I'm guilty, God. I'm guilty. I own it. Will you forgive me? Who'll say amen? So we're not just looking out, we're looking in as well. So there are four people groups. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. I'm running out of time. Time is against me. Forgive me. I'm going on too long. Here's the final one. Foolish Frank or Foolish Frida or whatever you're having yourself. Why is this person uh, a danger and why do we have to beware of them? Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 14, 14. The foolish will believe anything. But the wise consider their steps. Someone who is foolish will not consider their steps. So someone who is not reflective, probably isn't self-aware, probably doesn't reflect on the scripture, won't think about it, and that's dangerous. It's good to take some time, at least every week, sometimes more than that, where you just spend a few minutes and you go, am I right here? Am I wrong there? You know what we used to call it when I became a Christian first? Examining your conscience. It's good to examine your conscience, isn't it? Hmm. It's good for you. It's good for you. It also says, the wise in heart will accept advice. This is the core of it. But the chattering fool comes to ruin. I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. You've come into a Christian church. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's learn from it and let's move forward and grow with it. You know, I don't care how old you are. You never stop learning. And the key to the foolish person is they close their mind. and close, They've got a closed mind and a cold heart and they will never accept advice about anything. And you know who everyone wants to hang around with? A know-all. He knows it all. There's no talking to him. But you know, a humble heart, you're not going to be a fool, but you're going to listen to advice. Amen? Amen. We all need a second opinion. We all need to have a humble heart and to learn that way. I'm way over time, guys, brothers and sisters. Just as we come to a close... Self-defense. You know what I'm going to pray for? That you and I will have discernment of spirit. Have you ever prayed for that? I suspect most of us haven't. But that the Holy Spirit gift will come into your workplace. Are you coming up, lads? Yeah. 
that the Holy Spirit will come into your workplace, come into your school, come into your family, into your neighborhood, that he will be active in our church so that we have that wisdom and we have that protection so that it's not just streetwise, it's Godwise. Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray with the, I'm over time, forgive me, but we will just take a moment to pray and to sing. We're going to sing, we're just going to sing one verse of this is how I fight my battles. And then we're going to close in prayer with this prayer request. Steve, thank you. discernment of the Holy Spirit in my life and dealing with people if you want to pray for that and this goes beyond being streetwise lift your hand where you stand bring it before the Lord and sometimes we need it in our own wider families even more so than in work or in school or in the neighborhood come Holy Spirit you see the situations Lord there's a little bit of us in some of these five people groups. We pray, oh God, that that would go from us, that we would be more like you. Who'll say amen? And Father, as we deal with perhaps potentially dangerous situations in our experience, would your Holy Spirit anoint us and give us discernment of spirits. Give us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we are not tortured by indecision, but we would hear the clear voice from above to be wise, to watch our words, to be careful, and above all, to be godly. May that come into our lives in Jesus' name and God's people said, 
I believe the Lord is speaking for either a person or a group here and the scripture is coming to me where Jesus said do not throw your pearls before swine and it's about sharing God's word with someone who keeps rejecting it but I feel the Lord is saying you're constantly appealing to someone in your life and nothing is happening and God is saying it's like throwing pearl before swine you've tried your best God is saying, enough, stop the talking. And the Lord just wants, I know today, that you would be protected. And I have an unction from above, and I don't care if I'm running late. God just wants to, I know God wants me to pray protection, that there would be like an invisible army of angels around you, because this person is dangerous. So I'm not going to call you up to the top, but in the dim light, if that's you, just lift up your hand, because I don't want to pray into the darkness okay I see your hand alright I see a number of hands okay there's probably seven or eight people let's just all pray and we're going to close with this prayer can I ask everyone to lift up their hands and those of us who didn't put up their hands you're praying for the person who's in a real situation let's think of others here in the name of Jesus Christ for those seven or eight people I pray oh God an angelic host will surround them. I pray, Lord, that any weapon that is obviously formed, we claim the word of God. May it never prosper in their lives, in Jesus' name. I even pray, O oh God, that you would silence the voice of the one who could attack. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring a panic. Even if it happened among the Philistines we saw last week. Let a panic come in the person who would do evil to you. And may they themselves stop what they're doing. God intervene, but let your sons and your daughters be kept perfectly safe. And not only safe, be blessed to the soles of their feet. And oh God, if there's any here who are lonely, Oh, Lord God, keep them from the rogue. If there are any here, oh God, the victim of slander, you are the God of justice. Will you give them justice? If there are any here, oh God, who are worn down by mourning, sweet Jesus, I pray, would you build them up in your Holy Spirit? And Lord, I pray that every one of us here would always be open to godly advice and that we would never be foolish as we go through this pilgrimage on life. We thank you for being with us today. We know you love us. And as we go into the winter months, which are darker, we praise God that we have the light of the world shining in our lives. Be with us now, God, for the week ahead. Bless us and the people we love and keep us safe till we gather together again. In the name of Jesus, and one last time, God's people with a loud voice said, God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming. The band are going to make their way out. Unfortunately, we don't have coffee today in the courtyard because the kids had their party, but you can collect the kids on the way out. We go out the door here to your left, and there's coffee being served all over the street. God bless you guys, and Steve and the band are going to play us out. Steve.